I know you are going through a series, and today is also a special day. It's a, it's a holiday. We'll be studying a text from Proverbs chapter 12. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead, please, and open this text. The book of Proverbs itself is very fitting for the Father's Day because it is something that the Father wrote to his son, right? So King Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs to instruct his sons and his grandsons and for many generations as a special manual for a prince on how to run a country. And it's interesting that this manual contains very little information about administration of the nation and a whole lot of information about personal ethics, how to live as a, as a wise man. And while Solomon intended this to be for his sons, God intended this letter, this book, for us so that we would live wisely, so we would live a holy life and avoid the common pitfalls. In the nation of Israel, if the prince would heed the wisdom of God, if he would heed the book of Proverbs, the nation would prosper. And when the king ignored the wisdom of his father, when the prince would ignore the instruction of his ancestors, the nation would suffer. And as it was true for Israel, it is true for us today, especially on Father's Day, right? This uh, particular verse that we'll get into in a second is about hunting. I have a friend in seminary when I used to go to school who I became very close friends with because he was a very good cook and he didn't mind sharing his food. (laughs) Yes, so our relationship was great because I was hungry a lot and... I often would not buy meat, but this guy would always have meat, and he would always share it. And what's cool about it is that not only did he have any kind of meat, he had deer meat because he was from a family of hunters. And every time he would go home for a visit or for a holiday like Thanksgiving, he would drive back home from Georgia with his pickup truck with two coolers stacked with deer meat of the deer that he killed and that he uh, prepared, and then he would share this meat with uh, all the guys. And it's incredible, like two deer will uh, last you two or three months, even for a hungry pack of guys. So we were very close friends. And because of that, he uh, shared many stories about hunting, many interesting things that I never knew, that otherwise I would have never learned because I'm not big into that. And it was interesting. A lot of things were very interesting. And one thing that I noticed about hunters is that they get up early. They get up really early while it's still dark, 3 a.m., 4 a.m., and they're entering the forest while it is still dark. And when I started to learn more about hunting and what what involves in it, I realized it wasn't just to avoid the heat of the day. A lot of it had to do with the fact that hunting is a lot of work. There's a lot more to it than just going out there and you know, shooting at whatever first comes across your way. And because it takes so long to take care of everything related to hunting, they start their day super early. And it's rare that they're done before the darkness of the night catches them. Hunting is hard work. They start early. The second thing I learned about hunters is that they're sticklers to getting things done fast. They don't fiddle around. Like the good hunters, 
they are all about making things quicker, make, taking shortcuts or finding inventive ways to accomplish a task quicker because time is of essence in this, uh, in this hobby or this, I guess, for some people, maybe profession. So one of the tips that my friend Jackson taught me about deer hunting, he told me a way of how you can skin a deer very, very quickly. And I talked to some hunters from the previous service, and apparently not a lot of people know about this. So I feel like I'm, I have secret information here from the top-level hunter. So here's what you do. You got your deer, and you take a knife, and you make uh, cuts like on a T-shirt, like, like seams of a T-shirt all around and around his neck. And then you take a tennis ball. Do we have any hunters in here? Raise your hand if you. Yeah, there's a couple. Okay, have you ever done this tennis ball thing? You put a tennis ball behind his neck? Never done this? Okay. So you take a tennis ball and you slide it right behind the deer's neck between his uh, two shoulders. And then you trap it with your fingers. You wrap rope around it. You attach the rope to your pickup truck. You attach the horns to the tree. Put the pickup truck in reverse. Okay? And then you just gas it. And uh, there you have your deer. Okay? And apparently doing this is like 10 times faster than doing it the other way or whatever. So, I don't know. I haven't tried. So, <laughs> yes. So, let's, uh, how does this relate to the Bible? Let's, let's look at our text today. <laughs> Proverbs 12. And this is my, my translation. Uh, this is a difficult text. I'll explain why in a second. So, your Bible may say something different, but I'll explain wh- why, why it is so. So, the lazy fool won't roast his game. Mature man moves and finds gain. The point of this text is this. Most of the Proverbs are about this, the wise person and the foolish person. That the wise person does this, the foolish person does that. And there's uh, always a stark contrast between the two that you can immediately notice. And the path of the wise is to righteousness and the path of the fools is to destruction. This verse is different in that it doesn't contrast what the wise man does and what the fool does. It contrasts the order in which they do things. The fool does his things, his stuff, in a different order than a wise man. And so it reads, if I can translate it literally, the sloth a sluggard does not roast his game or the animal that he caught in the hunt. But the sustenance of a man is an esteeming diligence. That's another way to render this verse. So the, uh, the wise man here, the root of the word is actually wealth, like a wealthy man or a well-to-do man. But that wouldn't even do full justice to the wording of the text because the root is enough. It's actually the only time this word occurs in the Bible. That's why it's so difficult for the translators because there's no other verse to compare it to. But the root of the word is enough. So it's a person who has enough. You can say middle class, okay? You have a place to live, food to eat. You're middle class, you have enough. So the person who has enough, his wealth that is enough, not great wealth, his wealth that is enough to live is in esteeming diligence, is in acting diligently, acting timely, and doing things in a timely way. In Russia, we have a lot of stories about bears in Siberia, because we have a lot of bears in Siberia, more than people, in fact. And 
this uh, particular story is, uh, became like an, uh, an anecdote, funny story, about uh, two men, Ivan from the city and his grandpa. And uh, Ivan and, and is from the city. He's never been hunting, and his grandpa is an avid hunter. And he's been out in the woods a lot. And he knows how to find a bear and how to kill a bear. And so they go hunting together in Siberia f- for the first time, and the grandpa tells Ivan, Ivan, whatever you do, don't do anything unless I tell you. Follow my directions exactly. And Ivan says, okay. So they got their weapons, and they went to find the bear. They spent a couple hours in the woods. Finally, uh, late fall, the bear is digging himself a, uh, a hole to live in and just uh, not, is not paying any kind of attention to the, the two guys that found him. So Ivan aims to shoot at the bear, and his grandpa tells him, no, don't shoot. Whatever you do, don't shoot. So then grandpa takes and makes a snowball and just launches it right at the bear's back and hits him. And the bear is like, well, <laughs> what was that? You know, who is throwing stuff at me? And he just growls, continues to do his work. And so the grandpa would throw the snowballs at the bear until he got him infuriated. So now this really angry bear, because of people won't leave him alone, chases those two guys through the woods. And they're running away. And so the grandpa is running away and Ivan is running away. And after about 10 minutes of this, Ivan thinks to himself, why am I running away? I have a, I have a gun. It's a, he, there's a bear behind me. It's, it's just foolish. So he turns around, he aims, he shoots the bear and kills him. And it stands really proud. Oh, he killed his first bear. I'm like, I'm so, you know, great hunter now. So his grandpa comes up to, me, to him and says, Ivan, you're a fool. He's like, what? What did I do wrong? You know, like, we, we went hunting bear and we shot the bear. You know, why are you not happy? And his grandpa tells him, Ivan, you're going to carry this bear home. <laughs> okay, what's the point of the story? There's no way you're going to get a 600-pound bear through Siberia. You know, there's just no way. So when you're a hunter, you view life differently, Right? you realize there are some physical limitations of what you can do and what you cannot do. And one thing you know is that hunting is really hard. And then usually the hardest part is not before the hunt, it's what happens after. So there's a thrill, the chase, you kill, and that is only a a fraction of all the work that goes into hunting. The difficult part comes after you have killed your game. And imagine that you're a hunter in the 10th century B.C., when, when Solomon was king. There was no firearms. There was no pickup trucks, no tennis balls, right? So you got to do all the same things that people do now, but you have very primitive tools. Probably you're hunting with a bow. So you have to get a lot closer in range. The direction of the wind, the availability of cover, like bushes you can hide in, how spooked the deer is, if the terrain is good that you can even chase him or get a clear shot, all those things affect your ability to kill him. And even then, it's uh, it's unlikely that you will even finish him off on the first shot. A lot of times you have to chase the deer after he was shot first time with an arrow uh, and then shoot him again, right? A lot of hard work. So imagine you're a hunter at this time and typically, what it means is that the whole day you're out in the field, you, you shot your deer, then you have to carry this thing back. And it could be 
It could be 70 pounds, it could be 200 pounds. They can grow big, right? So then you drag this whole thing home, and it's, it's going to be already dark when you get home, back to your family, and there you got your prey, and you're so tired, you're so dirty, covered in blood, what are you going to do? Take a shower, take a nap, relax, rest, right? That's what a fool would do. The fool does not roast his game. He got his kill, and on that same day, he gets home and he rests because he is tired. A wise man comes home just as tired, just as exhausted, and he has his deer, and immediately he roasts him. And of course, the reason is because once you roast the deer, you preserve the meat. Then it's going to be good for a couple of weeks. And if you salt it, it could be good for a couple months, right? So even though both men have the same thing, one of them is preserving it, the other one is ruining it. And you can probably get up early in the morning and roast the deer afterwards after you have rested, right? But of course, every time you do that, you take a risk. You take a health risk for yourself, for your family, and a survival risk. Because that may be, you know, that thing goes bad, you have to go out and hunt again. So that's kind of the heart of the analogy here in this verse. The fool does not roast his game. The wise man does things immediately. He knows the difference between what needs to be done now and what can be put off. Another way to put it, that the fool is negligent. The wise esteem diligence, and that becomes their sustenance. Now, procrastination can be a good thing, right? Or, I guess, sometimes can be a good thing. If you're in college, you have procrastinated, right? We always procrastinate projects around house, different things that need to be done, but we don't really want to get involved in. And sometimes you can leverage procrastination to your benefit. For example, there's something you really don't want to do, so you would almost do anything else other than that thing that you don't want to do, right? So you just keep putting it off, and that allows you to have the power, the mental capacity to focus on other things that are also unlikable, but not as unlikable as this thing you're procrastinating. So we do this all the time, right? But there are some things which are never to be procrastinated. And that's the difference. The fool does not know the difference, and the wise man does. The wise man understands that some things are never to be procrastinated, that some things are to be done now. This verse speaks so much to us today. It can be applied to almost any situation. Let's look at some of the possibilities how this verse can change our lives, right? Or how disregarding this verse can also ruin our lives. This example the wise man takes care of debt, right? There are different kinds of debts. There are some debts uh, like that take a really long time to take uh, care of. Some consumer debt is very destructive. Everyone knows that, right? Because the credit cards have gouging percentages and they will get you eventually if you don't manage it. So a foolish man does not pay attention to his debt. He disregards his debt. He says, I'll take care of that later. And the wise man faces his debt, his consumer debt. 
He goes and deals with that problem as soon as he can, before he does anything else. The same thing, right? Both people will have debt. The wise men will have debt and the fool will have debt, but how they handle it is different. So roast your debt problem. Face it. Don't let it stay overnight, right? Another one is maintain your stuff. Maintain your equipment. We've had a situation with this with Maria when we were traveling a lot. We had a really old car that had a lot of miles on it. And because we were going so much from town to town, we were really putting a lot of miles on it. As much as like a typical person would put in a year, we would probably put that much in a couple months. And I know a little bit about cars. I know that they need to have their oil changed. Roughly every month and a half, two months, three months typically, or four months, right? That's normally the time frame. But I wasn't realizing that on this particular car, we were not just using it like a normal person would for four or three months. We were using it like a crazy person. So it was getting a lot more wear, a lot more wear and tear. And further, the car was defunct. It had an indicator to change oil, and it wasn't working. So I, I didn't know that it was having a problem with oil. And secondly, of course, I never look at the sticker. You know, who looks at the oil sticker that says, after this many miles change oil, right? No one does. And so uh, here we go, a difference. A foolish man, like myself, does not look at the oil sticker. But a wise man does. And he changes oil ahead of time. Because, of course, the more you neglect it, the worse it gets. Eventually, uh, the car died. And the damage was profound. The seals were all melted. The cylinders were all gunked up and dirty. And it it was basically impossible to repair the the thing. So if you have clunking noise in your car, typically it's like, oh, I'll get it checked out next week, right? We procrastinate things like that. But a wise man would not. Because those types of problems, they start small. They grow big very fast. So maintain your equipment, right? Another one is dental, right? A little problem with kids especially, with sugar and all those other things that they eat, just a little dink in the, in the armor of the tooth, in the enamel, erodes so fast. And if it's not taken care of immediately, it festers, and then, you know, your, your face is swollen, Right? And I, I come from a culture that's dentally negligent. So like in Russia, we don't go to a dentist until by, the face is swollen. And <laughs> but then it's a whole other thing, right? Then it's surgery time or some kind of major reconstruction. So that's a really livid way for us to we have a problem, face it, and start dealing with it immediately. Right? Another one, health and recreation. Everyone knows that 30 minutes of exercise is pretty much required per day, not just for physical well-being, but for mental. It's mentally very good to exercise. We all know that, but that's the first thing out of the window when we get busy, right? I know I'm guilty of that because when we travel, we, that's the first thing that we fail to do. We never make time to exercise, to, to get up early, to go for a jog or whatever it is. And we have... A contrast here. So a, a wise man understands and makes time for physical exercise, even if it's just walking. It doesn't have to be intense. It doesn't have to be something crazy. And a, a foolish man neglects. He always 
procrastinates is the first thing to go out of the window is exercise. You know, so this guy, even though uh, he has a baby, he has found a way to have recreation, to have outdoors time with his baby. That's a wise man. Another way that we uh, neglect things is relationships, right? So when, when we get hurt or we get someone else hurt, our immediate reaction is to turtle up, to, to avoid them, to avoid the problem, to, to do other things other than dealing with the problem because we feel like, well, this awkward, the situation is not quite right, time will heal wounds, it will be later to talk about this later, when they forget a little bit about it or when I forget a little bit about it, and it's, it's not true, right? Relationship situations that are touchy, the faster they're resolved, the less they fester. Because if someone has a problem with you, they start interpreting a lot of things that you do negatively, right? Or we, we do that ourselves. So, wise man will roast his relationship problem, right? A foolish man will neglect it. The lazy fool won't roast his game. Mature man moves and finds gain. I can't leave you without an example that you will not forget. So I, I have something here in a Ziploc bag. It's sealed. This is uh, deer fur. Okay? This is deer fur, and I'll tell you a story about it. I have a friend. His name is uh, Jeff McCoy. I think you guys all know him, right? He's a missionary to Ukraine, and he has a very large family. So one of the things that he has done is he has gone online, and in order to feed his family, he found a stretch of highway on the map that has the higher number of deer road collisions in the country. And so uh, he will take two trips, one in the morning, one at night, looking for deer. And when he would find one, he would dress it, bring it home, and his family would eat. And apparently they saved, you know, a lot of money uh, feeding a large family this way. And this ecologically friendly, wise resource management habit, I don't know how to call it, is very interesting. So he told us about him doing that, and uh, I told him, well, Jeff, that's uh, ingenious. Maybe I should try it one day. But uh, one of the things that he shared with me that I'll never forget, that I'll, I'll share with you, is... He says, Dima, you need to remember that if you, if you found a deer on a highway and you're going to take it home to cook it, if you pull on it and fur comes off, you should leave it. So remember this. If you have a situation in your life and you pull on it and fur comes off, it, it's too late. You, you haven't been wise. Okay, so whatever it is in your life, if it's debt, health, relationships, there's so many different applications. The foolish man just lets it hang, right? And it goes bad, which was a good thing to begin with. And the wise man faces his problem and fixes it before it goes bad. So if you have a situation in your life, never get to the point where you pull on it and fur comes off. All right? So a wise man moves and finds gain. The lazy fool will not roast 
his game. 